This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. We're recording this on the 24th of August. Last night itself, there was quite a few big stories that broke on NDTV and uh, Twitter India's uh, role, actually the government role in Twitter India. Hopefully we'll have uh, stories on that this week and can talk about it on the podcast next week. Today I have with me Shiv Narayan, Raj Purohit and Pratyush Deep. Welcome to the studio guys. Thanks for the invite. Unfortunately we're not doing a video segment although Shiv's worn a lovely green shirt for the camera and has taken pictures uh, with it. He's terribly heartbroken that we're not doing a video segment. Mm, uh, so I had high hopes from this podcast. I know. You rolled out of bed and into a beautiful shirt and into the studio. Uh, Maybe I'll post this picture on Twitter. Yeah, so listeners, if you want the video version, that's how, please that's go how to... That's how I looked like, no? When this podcast was recorded. So, if you want any glimpse of the video version of this podcast, you can find it on Shiv's timeline. He'll be in a green shirt. For the rest of the podcast, you have to listen to it on our News Laundry podcast platform and on any other podcast platform that you consume your podcast from. We're actually going to be talking about... Uh, some of the stories Shiv and Pratyush have done which have been in the headlines for the last 10 days. Uh, Shiv has done stories on the Aam Admi Party and the CBI raid that happened at Manish Sisodia's house in multiple other locations and Pratyush, your story was about the Rohingya community, right? It's about Rohingya community, like how their children are, children are coping up in the whole situation because there was a controversy uh, about the Rohingyas last week. So Last week. Right. Okay. So Shiv, I'm going to start with you. Both your stories have come from the day you spent outside Manish Sisodia's house when the raid had happened. Uh, before we go into, you know, what all happened that day and what you witnessed uh, outside the house, let's just go back a little bit to the basics because this is a co- bit of a complicated topic. I think for me also, I had to go back and read up uh, to understand this. So if you can tell our readers in as a simple way as possible. What is the excise policy even? So the excise policy uh, decides how liquor will be will be sold in Delhi, whether it will have government uh, shops in Delhi or it will be given to private parties. Hmm. So this is the excise policy. Okay. So the new excise policy, which was uh, which was uh, launched in November, which was implemented from November hmm. last year. So the government. Um, was out of the liquor business and the government induced private private parties. The The aim of this new liquor policy was to generate more revenue and to give better experience to consumers. Hmm. And one of the most important goal was to ensure that all liquor shops are distributed equally in Delhi because earlier some of the wards didn't have any liquor shops and one ward will have many liquor shops. So the equal distribution was one of the one of the most uh, prominent goals of this uh, new policy. And did the implementation of the new policy itself receive backlash? It did. That's why the government, uh, the Delhi government scrapped the policy because it ran into a lot of troubles. Okay. First, uh, the, the, the Delhi government cabinet, they uh, approved the new excise policy in May last year. Then went through a lot of um, um, discussions and LG also approved. Then, according to Manish Sodia, who is the excise minister, who also holds uh, other portfolios as well. So he said that uh, two days before the policy was implemented, LG suggested some, some raised some objections to the policy. Hmm. Uh, one of them was uh, uh, having liquor uh, shops in non-confirming areas. 
shops you cannot have liquor shops within 100 meters 100 meter boundary of a religious place or i mean place of worship and or, or education institutes yeah hmm. so the idea was to also while open up the business but hmm. make sure that it's not disturbing social balance social balance and another hmm. one is that you cannot open uh, shops in non commercial areas right so Because this was the objection of the lg This was one of the objections of the LG, hmm. but then LG, uh, according to Manish Sodia, he uh, formed a committee, and uh, Sodia said the committee they could not reach any conclusion. Hmm. So there were other amendments to the excise policy also by Delhi government without hmm. taking approval of the competent authority. That's the that's in the Chief Secretary's letter. I mean that's how it all started. And the competent authority in this case in this case be? would be LG. LG's LG. office so because that's in the that's in the law that any any law hmm. that government comes up with it has to be approved by LG because Delhi is not a full state hmm. right hmm. because home department is with the LG and he reports to the central government not right. central government but the 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 president so ultimately when the new policy was implemented did did they allow for liquor shops in uh, non conforming areas so in the excise policy uh the excise policy says that after getting licenses hmm. then these licenses should get approval from other authorities also okay so that was the kind of fig leaf that the excise policy uses hmm so same thing so in non conforming areas when the, these licenses try to open their shops they ran into troubles with the municipal corporations and hmm. dda So according to the Delhi uh, management plan that's 20 year plan like how the city will progress right. in terms of infrastructure and everything so that plan for 2021 now there is a draft also for 2041 hmm. so 2021 uh, uh Delhi management plan says that you cannot open liquor shops in non conforming areas that's there in the rules but excise policy says that all these licenses need to have approval from all authorities okay it does not specify what because it, it varies from like suppose if you have if you have license for airport zone there were 32 zones specified in new excise policy now scrapped of course mm. so one of them was airport zone so for airport zone uh, the the bid was uh, won by one company called buddy retail private limited hmm. but at the time one firm was already running uh, liquor shops in the airport zone hmm. so the airport authorities i mean the case ultimately reached the court in the court the airport authorities told uh, informed the court saying that uh, we already had an agreement with somebody else hmm. i mean some other party hmm. but since buddy retail private has uh, has won the bid i mean it is not under any compulsion from delhi government that that whosoever has won the bid should be given the NOC no oh. objection certificate so the problem is with the with this excise policy that the government should have uh, hold consultation with all stakeholders 
so they basically came up with the policy and then asked the people involved who or who will be exercising the policy to say that now you figure with the other authorities how to go about it hmm. so excise policy also says that in in the for airport zone hmm. said so they have to take after getting license they have to take permission hmm. from other authorities so in airport in like in airport case it's airport authorities without right. noc you cannot open because aviation is is not a state subject it's a central subject so it right. com- comes under the union aviation ministry Hmm. So I mean they are not uh, under any compulsion to uh, oblige to with oblige this Delhi with the uh, Delhi government yeah So why was it ultimately scrapped Ultimate it started uh, first of course then uh, there were a lot of changes in the excise policy over over a period of 4 5 months hmm. One was the Delhi government after seeing that around 100 shops could not open could not start their business in non conforming areas so they changed it to saying that uh, now those shops which could not open non conforming can they can shift to conforming areas but for that for make for that change you have to take permission from lg but they did not seek allegedly did not seek permission from lg's office so that's one of the one of the grounds on which one of the uh, sticking points hmm. you can say hmm. another one is uh, the shops started uh, uh, advertising um, different brands which you can't do because liquor and tobacco yeah. right Yeah. Another was that the Delhi government gave some concessions during COVID period in December and January because the liquor vans they approached Delhi government saying that our business is very low and there are so many COVID restrictions. So so the chief secretary in his letter that he wrote in June or July to Manish Sodia LG. I mean that's how he raised the uh, matter. Hmm. So in that he says that uh, 144 crore the loss of revenue. because of this was 144 crore rupees because oh, wow. of uh, giving um, waiver to uh, liquor vans during covid period hmm. so the bjp alleged that i mean a lot of people suffered and um, other businesses also why didn't give waiver to other businesses also why hmm. only liquor vans so now we are at the crux of what the bjp is going to ultimately accuse up of and has now accused up of hmm. so tell us a little bit about that now this waiver comes in the core of yeah there are so many um, uh, there's so there there's several allegations against yeah. excise policy from the bjp hmm. from the opposition party so uh, the main thing is uh, one is that uh, the the delhi government returned deposit to the licensee who won the bid for the airport zone so that was 30 crore rupees so excise policy says that you cannot return deposit Okay. because he has won the bid right this is now the it's buddy retail buddy retail yeah hmm. so it was for the buddy retail to get the noc so delhi government doesn't have any say in it hmm. but then the co- then the case reached the the delhi high court and delhi high court said that that the uh, delhi high court agreed with the uh, contention of airport authority that yeah it's not under any obligation to give the noc because they already have running agreement with some other party hmm So that was one thing. Another one is the one forty four crore that I told you. Another thing is they gave. Uh, so the question the BJP is asking is where is this one forty four crore then? One forty four. That's that's the waiver given by Delhi government. Yeah. So of course liquor vans uh, benefited out of this decision. Right. But Delhi government saying that the uh, sorry the BJP is saying Delhi government should have taken permission or the the the, or the decision should have been, should have been ratified by the, the LG office. Right. right and that that wasn't that didn't happen so concerned happen, authority yeah. was not 
Uh, yeah. Okay, so now Manish Sisodia has become the person at the center of all of this. Hmm. He is, of course, the excise minister. He is also a very core member of the Amadmi Party, close hmm. to Kejriwal. We hmm. all know that. I want to get a sense of you know how what is the kind of time he has spent in the party. What have his roles been in the party, hmm. and also. Now, just there's been a lot of talk about Sisodia possibly getting arrested. There was also the news that CBI had sent a lookout notice, but that they hadn't, in fact. Mm-hmm. But what would it look like for the party if Sisodia were to face some amount of jail time? Of course, it it will be a big blow for the Ahmadin Party because I think he's de facto number two in in Ahmadin Party after Kejriwal, mm-hmm. and he has um, and his association with Kejriwal goes back thirty years, I think. and when he was journalist they started an ngo uh, against um, against bribes given to government officials then they also participated in the india against corruption movement that's how i um, mean that gave big philip to kejriwal and sodia to launch their own political party hmm. but now as things stand uh, i mean you can you can gauge the importance of uh, manish sodia by looking at the kind of portfolios he handles right so uh, he he heads finance department planning excise gst tourism education most importantly yeah. and uh, so he is number 2 and he is after kejriwal he is one of the most important uh, leaders of aap but if he i mean there are there is speculation that enforcement direct might also uh, register a case on the basis of cbi fir hmm. uh, to look in, to look into the money laundering aspect hmm. um, um against the sodia against the sodia and they've already run that against satender jain the satender jain yeah so up so to two of its yeah, big leaders yeah big leaders yeah and jain is still uh, in custody right so yeah so another aspect is when you have so many cases against you i mean it's this is not the first time that the cb has registered case against sisodia hmm. there were in sense also there were preliminary inquiries by cbi also hmm. um earlier i think in 2015 17 Hmm. but nothing came out of it hmm. but sodia is very optimistic that nothing will come out of this inquiry and we are very clean on hmm. this matter i know of course that's also the that's their yeah narrative that a party will of course uh, tell us hmm. but so this happened the cbi raid happened on monday morning hmm. august 19th right hmm. Hmm. so the fir was registered on 17th of august two days later cbi raided uh, uh, more than 30 locations Na, it was a friday na it was friday yeah So uh, the CBI raid happened on Friday, August nineteenth. Mm. Um, but a little before that, the day before that, there was an article published in the New York Times. Have Have you both read the article on New York Times? Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. So a lot of the narrative. I had to because <laughs> there were protesters also. They were talking about only New York Times. New York Times. I said uh, New York Times is not the yardstick on which you assess government's um, performance. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Or any schemes performance. Yeah, I mean the narrative on August nineteenth. But of when course, it, CBI... it it reflects the larger mood, like what's happening in the in education sector. I mean, absolutely, yeah. In terms of that article, yeah. No, I mean the point I was trying to make was that the the day uh, before the uh, raid happened, the CBI uh, the NYT article came out, and on the day of the raid, mm. the narrative that um, uh, that you know was out there on TV channels on media reports was that look, an article in NYT has come, and CBI has raided. Mm. Uh, I'm sure it's not that simplistic, and like you know, you were just mentioning that actually an FIR was registered two days before, mm. so there was already an imminent 
possibility that CBI is going to raid at any point, right? It just so happened it happened a day after the NYT article. I don't, I'm just trying to understand from you since you've worked on this. Does the art, NYT article's timing have anything to do with the CBI raid in a way that it has been narrativized? See, the, the, the answer of this question lies in the... It's within the scope of speculation. We don't yeah. know for sure. Yeah. Like it could be coincidence. It could be that the that the the BJP has taken uh, note of NYT article saying that this is the time to hmm. um, to corner them. But uh, I mean, our supporters uh, somehow they they feel that NYT article was the uh, was the final push. So, Pratyush, what did you think of the NYT article? I, I think the time, like, as you have said, it's all about speculations. And, mm-hmm. and AAP has, like, you know, uh, make it a point, see our, like, model is, like, you know, going worldwide. And they were, like, all not only Delhi, like, mm-hmm. all other state units of AAP is also, you know, like, you know, making it a campaign material. Mm-hmm. And then they were saying, you see, it is a, a vindictive politics because of our work is getting recognized worldwide. So, yeah. you know, they are trying to arrest our minister. Even if you see a Facebook page called Manish Sisodia fan page. There, there is a photo where Manish Sisodia was like, you know, looked like a warrior. He was holding a shield and like, you know, <laughs> like saving the children. And there are CBI, but there are many EDN, spin-off, yeah. spin-offs also of that same uh, photo that photo? is talking about. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen it's this It's a very volume. interesting photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's going around in so, on social media, basically from oh, the app wow. supporters. So, yeah, it helps them to, you know, give a narrative, alternative narrative to the whole CBI rate. Right. And we cannot say if it is like, you know, there is an earlier controversy about if it what was What did you think pay. of the article though? See, uh, like uh, similar articles were like, you know, about the Delhi model was written earlier as well, right? Mm. Uh, on the same terms, like, uh, mm. so I don't think, you know, it, it is like, it cannot be like, of course, New York Times is a, you know, very like uh, well-known mm. and it's a good newspaper. But that doesn't mean ki, uh, it, because they written it, that's why like, you know, it, it should be okay, New York Times. So Goals, the gold standard of journalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that like, there are many like, like people even don't know there are many lawyers from India, many activists yeah. from India who gets featured or like, you know, get like, you know, their things published in international like newspapers, including New York Times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't come out as, you know, okay, because they are doing some, working for a cause, that's why, you know, it should be. But the our thing was very I'll just, I'll just yeah. chip in here about New York yeah. Times article um, because a lot of protesters, I mean, when hmm. CBI raid was happening, a lot of people came, uh, all of them are our supporters. There was, they were standing there, didn't raise any slogan, mm. and uh, they said that they were there in, solida- in solidarity with Manish Sodia. And then a lot of people that I talked to there, they said that it was because of New York Times article mm. that um, it's a vendetta politics uh, since uh, Sodia and Ahmadi Party's work is being lauded across the world. Mm. And uh, New York Times case in point, and uh, some and Kejriwal being stopped from going abroad. Yeah. Not not getting clearance from the Home Ministry and Action Affairs Ministry. So he's, they said that all these things point to one thing that there is an attempt, alleged attempt by the BJP to stop good work of Ahmadi Party hmm. in 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 education and health sectors. But New, coming back to New York Times article, I feel that somehow the the article lacks journalistic rigor. Because I didn't see any um, comment or any reaction from the BJP, uh, BJP, the mm. opposition BJP. I mean, the 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 it's it's unwritten rule that when you do a story, you have to approach both the parties. Yeah. Because it's not that there are no. I mean, the article itself says that 
the the policy is a work in progress of course they made tremendous strides since they came to power mm. and and i mean there is no doubt that that i mean of course the education sector in delhi or the 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 the, the schools have improved the in terms of infrastructure in terms of uh, how teachers um, take their classes mm. and of course it start with the with the unannounced uh, visits of uh, sisodi and atishi and questioning teachers and yeah. and having interaction with students also that also bridge that mistrust that teachers and parents or teachers and students had earlier so of course there are uh, um, um, some positives too hmm. but as a journalist i think you need to keep your uh, mind open right like yeah. you have to approach everything with a pinch of skepticism absolutely yeah and 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 i mean it quoted some experts and the only expert who was willing or who who was quoted uh that was one professor from tis hmm. tata institute of social sciences but yeah i believe that in terms of journalistic rigor it lacked a bit yeah no i agree uh i'm also so you also said on the morning of august 19 when you were outside mary sisodia's house this was a part of a big part of the conversation that the nyt article had come out hmm. but tell us draw us a picture of what did it look like outside his house that morning 8:30 uh, cbi team uh, went in Sisodia's government bungalow hmm. on Mathura Road, and the 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 gates were shut till eleven thirty at night. And <laughs> so you were I, outside the whole day. I was there until ten uh, o'clock, ten right. p.m. And I I spoke to Raman sir. I was like, sir, it's it seems that it's a sleepover. <laughs> it's not a raid. <laughs> it's a CBI sleepover at Sisodia's house. Yeah. You know what I've always found funny though. Even I remember when uh, what was it news click got raided by IT or ED I'm not uh, or both. Yeah. Really one sure of the central one. agencies, yeah. One of the central agencies. What I used to find most amusing is I was waiting outside news click office at that time I was living in Saket it was very close so I just rushed. Mm. I would find it so hilarious that there is this you know big central investigation agency doing an investigation there and all these serious looking men standing there is guards outside and all of that hmm. but they'll order from zomato <laughs> and i used to find that so hilarious like the zomato person will come and he'll be the only one hmm. in all of us who will be allowed to go in and deliver like we're all standing there the whole day hmm. and i think it happened here also when hmm. we had our it raid hmm. like they were we were ordering from swiggy hmm. and zomato just in the picture of everything that's happening it's just such a comic moment hmm. when you know this most unassuming person who probably has no idea what is happening hmm. gets to go in and <laughs> deliver food and i'm also trying i also keep thinking you know so what is the discussion inside like are they all like going through taking a moment of break hmm. and figuring out you know what to eat it's a very real thing that's true so But if you if you've gone in in the morning yeah so it means that you didn't have didn't have breakfast <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then and, and i mean maybe you are groggy yeah so, yeah so it's just, it, it's, it's, it's a, then then manish sodia i think his yeah. family lives so maybe they cooked for the whole cbi <laughs> team yeah i mean so i were, think it's it's just there were at least 10 people <laughs> i think there were 10 cbi officers okay so i mean i mean i just i can't imagine like how tiresome it is to be there for the whole day whole not day? whole day like yeah. almost uh, more than 12 hours uh, i think it was a 9 hours 18 hours or so so oh, okay, yeah. 18 yeah. hours 
Right. So anyway, <laughs> coming back to the Ritz, so they were there. So so I mean, outside of course, a mm. uh, lot of journalists, lot of cameras mm. pointing at the gate. There was a small opening in the gate, so all the com- cameras are focusing. There's a reception rooms. Okay, so mm. we could see the reception reception room. There was some staff. I mean, from the Sisodia's team, mm. Sisodia's staff. I mean, only once he came down in the reception room, that's when the camera went went berserk, <laughs> and everybody was fighting for. For the picture, or and for the, for the, he after the CBI raid, he spoke to the people, saying okay. that the CBI uh, has taken away uh, his phone, some documents, his laptop also, hmm. Hmm. and um, yeah, that's and and there there, there was protest also, uh, not protest in but supporters there outside the um, Sodia's house. And about thirty were detained eventually, right? Thirty, thirty, forty were detained. Right, and now in this FIR that has been registered, hmm. there are fifteen people named in it, hmm. and I'm guessing you're doing a story on looking into who these fifteen people are. Will it be out by the time this podcast is out? I hope so. <laughs> okay, so it definitely will be out uh, because uh, <laughs> Raman sir will be after Shiv to file it. So hopefully by Saturday we should have this story out. So Shiv, uh, you are now doing a story on the fifteen people who are named in the FIR, mm. which was registered, I think, on the seventeenth of August, right? Yeah. Uh, two days after which the CBI raid happened. Tell us a little bit about what you're really working on this week. I hope so. I'll file this story before Saturday, but. Uh... As far as CBI FIR is concerned, there are 15 people named hmm. and uh, other unidentified people also. So uh, the accused number one. I mean, I, I was also looking at the order in which the names have been printed on the paper or names are there in the FIR. Yeah. Uh, now, accused number one is Manish Sodia. Okay. Then former excise commissioner uh, Arva Gopikrishna. Hmm. Then the deputy commission, former deputy commissioner of excise Anand Tiwari. And then there are some liquor companies. One of them is uh, Indo Spirit, and Indo Spirit uh, um, got uh, wholesale licenses. Hmm. And uh, I mean, there were some allegations against this company also that, I mean, according to the excise policy, if you are a manufacturer, you cannot become a retailer or you cannot have other licenses. Right. Right. So hmm. if it, I mean, if you do so, then there will be cartelization that you are manufacturer, retailer, and wholesaler. So everything right. is with you. Hmm. So what did this company do? According to a Shoko's notice that was sent by the excise department in October last year, after okay. the bidding process was over, hmm. after the bidding process. So the accusation was that this Indospirit company, it um, through its subsidiaries or indirectly, it got a lot of wholesale licenses and retail licenses. Hmm. So that was the allegation against this company. That it breached the excise policy rules. Got it. Then um, there is this um, another accused is Vijay Nair. He is accused number five. Hmm. So um, he is the former CEO of uh, Only Much Louder. That events uh, um, company. They also, st- I mean, they were the ones who started this and it's seven weekend at Pune. Got it. Yeah. And they also, I mean, on their roster there are a lot of they are big comedians and they hold big events. Vijay Nair is said to be close to Manish Sodhi because it's said that he also handled AAP's campaign mm. during Delhi polls or Punjab polls. So somehow he contributed. Then um, there are some other names also. The managing director of Indospate, Samir Mahendra, is also one of the accused. And then there's, there's Dinesh Aroda. Dinesh Aroda runs a pub in Delhi. So BJP... Um, Leaders, they said that the Dinesh Aroda was one of the conduit to get money from 
companies that uh, the AAP government favored, allegedly favored. So he was the conduit to give money oh, back like to. Oh, like a middleman, basically. Middleman, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's this the, is the allegation, that's the allegation from, of, BJP. from BJP. Got it. So this is a story that you'll be looking at as mm-hmm. to who these other people how are. How they are linked to each other. or And how they're related to each other. Great. So listeners, you can read that story on our website, um, hopefully by Saturday. All right. Uh, so I'm going to now move to Pratyush, uh, who's managed to make it to the studios. Pratyush, Pratyush. You just uh, put it on record, right? I am just putting it on record. Last time it was you, Shiv, and this time it's Pratyush. All right, so now let's move to Pratyush's story. Pratyush, you did a story titled "Children Without a Country: Rohingya Kids in Delhi Struggle to Go to School." Yeah. Uh, now, firstly, I want to start by asking you: Rohingyas have been an issue in this country for a while now. Uh, we've seen phases where you know suddenly there will be members of the BJP saying that uh, they should be kicked out of the country. I remember there was this one particular show that Arnab had done back in 2017 or 16, if I'm right, 17, where he said, throw them into the ocean, these illegal migrants and things like that. So let's just come back to what is the issue now? Like, why is the Rohingya community in the news again? I've always seen a pattern as to why in the news, either it's the BJP making commentary or uh, their camp has been set on fire or has burned down. Mm-hmm. So these are one of the two reasons why the Rohingya community is in the news, right? So this time, what is it? So this time, it is like it is on news for a very different reason. This time, mm-hmm. it's not like a throw them out or something like that. Like, as you have said earlier, okay, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, most of the time, BJP like makes like some comment like and then it g- comes to the news. Yeah. But this time it's a, like, you know, one of the BJP minister, Hardeep Singh Puri, tweeted, mm. a, tweeted ke, like they will rehabilitate or resettle the Rohingyas in some cam- uh, in some flats uh, which were meant for EWS, economically weaker sections in mm. Delhi. Okay. So he was saying, you know, his tweet was very positive. Ke, so see, like we are being like, you know, people uh, criticize us for like all sort of things ki we don't like you know we, we are uh, criticize us for CAA basically then mm. but we follow the uh, we follow and respect UN uh, refugee convention 1951 and all the other protocols and so he was in a very positive league so he was saying in a tweeting in a very positive way is how mm. BJP government is like trying to resettle the Rohingyas mm. but that but when the tweet came out then BJP supporters all were like you know all like you know uh, they was they started criticizing his tweet and basically they were tell us a little bit about the nature of this backlash who all were backlashing against the BJP so after the Hardeep Singh Puri's tweet BJP supporters as well as some of their leaders like mm. you know started criticizing Puri for the comments like Ki, how can you resettle the Rohingyas mm. because as you have said earlier Ki, they strongly oppose the Rohingyas settling in India or like mm. they basically call them as an illegal immigrant like uh, so yeah so that so after that like the Home Ministry also got uh, uh, came under pressure and issued a statement Ki, saying Ki, this is not a like you know this is not a resettlement as you know they will get all the facilities and all but it like uh, and they basically said it is a proposal from the Delhi government so it is not a centrist decision to resettle the Rohingyas from the camps where mm. they are presently staying to the EWS flats mm. but it was a proposal from the Delhi government and uh, so and and uh, to resettle them in the East EWS uh, flats uh, Delhi government has to uh, declare those flats as a detention center so uh, yeah right. so then only they will be like you know uh, 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 like a center will allow them to resettle to the flats as mm. a de- uh, like you know as a detention center mm. so yeah so that's the s- 
basic like you know what was going on last week about the rohingyas that's how they came to the news now that's that's an interesting way to uh, i guess control the narrative because hardipuri's tweet very clearly says that hmm. they will be shifted he doesn't refer to the delhi government he doesn't say that you know that's going to be a detention center or anything does it look like you know they just saved their face like is that what happened or yeah. Yeah, you can say so because mm. like the first proposal to resettle or relocate the Rohingyas from the present sites to mm. the to a like you know different location was came from Foreigners Regional Registration Office FRRO. Mm. So it uh, FRRO is uh, is under the administrative control of MHA mm. Ministry of Home Affairs. So they first approached the Delhi government uh, in 2021, saying you know uh, like. Uh, Uh, they are not being able to, you know, monitoring uh, like able to monitor the mo- movements of the Rohingyas because of the camps. Because they are very like you know, if you have been to the uh, those camps, it's a very narrow lands and a very congested areas, and there is no proper like you know uh, security or something like that. So they yeah. were saying that we need to if like Del- they requested Delhi government f- for to resettle them to some other, other location. That's how the whole issue came uh, like started in 2021. Hmm. After that, I think uh, after the Delhi government uh, home. department approached the ndmc and then ndmc suggested this place then they you know this whole ews thing came up in this uh, like last week right. so yeah and ndmc for non delhi listeners is the north delhi municipality corporation another interesting thing that's there in puri's tweet uh, is that he says refugees hmm. now this has been a contentious term in india one yeah, because yeah. india is not a signatory to the refugee convention um so what does Does Puri saying that they are refugees give them that refugee status because they have only been given that status? I understand from the UNHCR. <laughs> But India doesn't have any refugee law. I don't think exactly. India, yeah, India doesn't have any. And India, like you know, the India deals with like foreign issues from this Foreigners Act and Passport Act uh, and one more act. I think there are hmm. two three acts which are like you know. Which um uh, which deals with this foreigner issue. Hmm. So anyone who is entering India without a passport or illegally are like uh, Indian like Indian law uh, like you know uh, treat them as a illegal immigrant or like with, or But a foreigner sure. you can say foreigner. So hmm. there is like you know like uh, like in case of I think there are some. Uh, uh administrative policy for the uh, re- uh, refugees from tamil nadu and from mm. uh, hindus from i think pakistan and uh, and tibetan so i think that is again from what i understand the united nations has an act called the non refoulement law which mm-hmm. basically says that mm-hmm. any community coming from a place where they're already facing persecution mm-hmm. cannot be asked to leave like yeah, the host yeah. country has to give them asylum so, so these are refugees these aren't they are they, facing persecution so, so in they, my, they, my they are they are refugees but mind somebody coming to india hmm. uh with an intention for with an intention of economic or financial gain hmm. like livelihood opportunities are not there in their home country that's why they coming so they are immigrants i think and yeah. refugees are those who Have who are prosec- persecuted in their home country and hmm. that's why they are fleeing to some other country but in i think in case of rohingya so that, that's how in the distinction india. goes in hmm. india in india because they are yeah. non signatory to the because UN rohingyas convention. have been persecuted in myanmar, myanmar. right and that's why they are fleeing to bangladesh and from bangladesh they coming to india that's also so, why india like very strategically uses the term bangladeshi muslim yeah mm. 
so they can cancel out this non-refoulement thing right that mm. once you say that they are not from myanmar mm. they can be say, called an illegal migrant mm. uh, and whatever else tags that they used because they, this that so technically they are coming from bangladesh not coming they are not entering india through myanmar yeah, i think yeah, india yeah, also yeah, shares case, india also shares border with the myanmar, myanmar also no? but i think rakhine state Rakh- like, you know it's not near to indian border mm. i'm not sure rakhine is not it's the cox bazar in bangladesh through uh, yeah. Yeah. So there is a river that separates India and Myanmar. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that doesn't matter. Like e- even if you travel through another country, if the if your home country you're facing persecution, you can still seek al- asylum in any other country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, that's also what say for example. But at uh, the same time, since India is not signatory to this yeah, refugee in, convention, no, but the non-refoulement law falls outside the refugee convention. It's you have to abide by the non. So which one is bigger, the non-refoulement or the refugee convention? A refugee so convention prevails? is obviously uh, like then you're bound by the UN Convention Act, mm. but the non-refoulement is applicable whether you're a signatory or not. Mm. It mm. exists within and outside. It's one of those sections. So which as exist. of now, India's uh, non-written refugee policy is 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 case by case basis, right? Yeah, like, yeah. India exactly. thinks that he should be given uh, shelter here. Then India will go. I think central government yeah. provides funds and other things for Tamils and uh, Tibetans and other refugees. And Hindus from Pakistan also, yeah, because in Rajasthan people. there are so many Soda Rajputs hmm. who have been given citizenship. I think. Hmm. Hmm. How many um, do we have an idea from whatever research that has happened? I'm mm-hmm. guessing through NGOs and hmm. civil society organizations. How many Rohingyas are actually residing in India? See, well, the in, as per the Indian government, and that hmm. should be the official. figure they are saying uh, i think they said it was around 40000 but mm. i think only 60 to 16 to 17000 has even refusee card or the refusee id mm. so yeah that's what the indian government mha said in the parliament so going by i think that would be the official figure right mm. official figure 17000 and delhi and uh, delhi i think it was around 10000 uh, uh, to 1200 not more than that 10000 yeah, 10000 no 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 1000 to 1200 1000 to 1200 yeah Okay, and so you went to the Kanchan Kunj camp, right? Yeah, this yeah. is what one of the biggest camps. Uh, it is uh, one of the biggest, but they are like these settlements are very scattered. Some mm. of them stayed in front, stays in like in front of the camp area of Sahin Bagh. Then this Kanchan Kunj camp was there. Kanchan Kunj has, I think, around twenty-five to to fifty residents, not more 250. than yeah. So let's go back to the refugee card that they get from the UNHCR, right? This is also one of the parts of your story about yeah, yeah. what is the validity of having this card, hmm. and where in life and their sort of hmm. integration into Indian society, right. where does it actually count? So, like when I spoke to them, they like one of the activists and uh, of the Rohingya from the Rohingya community even said that he don't see any value of the card. Hmm. So that was his. Uh, comment and of course the others also said ki you know they, they have the card but that doesn't add to any value like you know th- when they goes to uh, goes for admission in school school doesn't recognize is as in like you know official identity mm. so they ask for ki where is your permanent resident or so as the aadhar even in case of the job also this card doesn't help much but i think uh, but uh, there are students like in college they face the most like in, for higher studies like in college mm. the uh, like in du Uh, mm. d- like uh, if you want to admission like if they want to take admission they have to go via this foreign student category mm. so foreign student category ke liye you either need needs a passport or some long term visa 
so they are also they face a lot of problem because this identity card doesn't matter like uh, like you know it it is not uh, like you know recognized as an id of their like you know refugee or like you know so how do they get into college so i as per the activists and many others like very few have been enrolled into the this colleges okay yeah very few they said it is hardly 20 ha huh? and uh of this like they have this uh, like i one of the activists told me ki they uh, in, uh, in a few years ago mhc had issued some long term visa to some of these rohingyas yeah so those on who has this long term visa they they also on they had only been able to enroll into this college others like you know they mostly fail to get enrolled and but school, it's uh, uh-huh. but it seem like i mean if refugees if rohingyas if youths are seeking admission in du hmm. and they are considered in foreign students category so they are f- competing yeah with people who are economically well off yeah hmm. who have security hmm. there's no reservation there's, i guess <laughs> in this forest yeah and category. seats are also limited right in that yeah, sense yeah there are few seats are there so they will lose out to yeah I, as far as i understand from whatever little i've reported on the rohingya community i don't think they even have the scope to con- dream of studying hmm. um in a university i mean a lot of times i mean the possibility of thinking of going there is when you can actually dream of it but like a lot mm. of students drop For out of school for children of conflict no education yeah. might not be the first priority first priority yeah, especially considering the living conditions mm-hmm. of the camps mm-hmm. one would be really surprised if you had the space and bandwidth to think about education mm. in 2015 the only time i went to rohingya camp madanpur khadar mm. the living condition is really really bad yeah mm-hmm. it is yeah. still like Uh, according to his reports it hasn't improved hmm. it's yeah. like it's there's no sanitation same. no they they forced to they had to defecate in the open is right. there i'm also curious and you spoke to a police person right yeah, so when yeah. like when the conditions are as bad as she was saying mm-hmm. like when there's no there's open defecation there's no food like i think access to food was also an issue hmm. a lot of them are rag pickers Hmm. Uh, and like work as auto drivers from my understanding hmm. does uh, how does the police and their interaction work police was like you know very skeptical about them like they think they get a lot of ration from delhi government from un and this is even case not in case of the police this is even case with many locals as well hmm. they also think this rohingyas gets a lot of benefits from this uh, like agencies and government and the un and all so uh, one of the activists told me in hyderabad if a house like you know if the rent of the house is 6000 for indians if you are a rohingya refugee then uh, they will ask for 10000 because they think even to give like even gives them a lot of money so they can afford it mm. so that was told me by an activist but in case of this camp dwellers that as we are talking about police see them you know very you know okay they are criminals like they they are like i don't think they i think police is a bit no they uh, like biased about them like uh, they said ki did this ngos give them coolers in the uh, you know summer then what they do is they sell it off on from the back door hmm. so that was the police version but they didn't say you anything officially i asked them ki so are some criminal records or give us a idea what kind of crimes they commit or like what are the like complaints you get in a month or in a day hmm. so then they will like you know no you have to take permission from higher official we cannot give it to you so they basically try to you know uh, avoid it like when it comes to giving a proper data or proper official statement about the rohingyas hmm. but they unofficially they will say a lot of things are wo ibi ke chakkar mein bhag gaya ibi ne usko 
Huh. they're also fighting a perception battle yeah yeah Absolutely, of course yeah. Yeah. i mean they i mean whenever journalists go to madanpur hazar or to do a story in rohingyas hmm. i mean these settlers they spend a lot of time in busting the myth that they are terrorists hmm <laughs> which is uh, i remember i had like uh, in 2017 we i done a story in jammu on hmm. the rohingya community they have about 7000 rohingya i think most of them are settled there. either in jammu haryana or hyderabad has hyderabad also. also or towards the east assam there's quite a mean. few in assam also if i'm right hmm. and um, in jammu at that point they had uh, right wing organizations like bajrang dal and uh, uh, vhp had put up hoardings hmm. saying wake up jammu uh, what was it wake up jammu rohingya bangladeshi quit jammu hmm. it's it's like big hoardings mm-hmm. okay and they and at that point i think there was an ndtv report which actually and they were calling them terrorists they were saying oh mm-hmm. they members of isis they are joining the kashmir militants um and we'd actually looked at their crime records and at that point there were 17 fir's filed against uh, rohingyas mm-hmm. of 7000 people and these 17 fir's were of like chain snatching petty theft hmm. there was not a single case of terrorism hmm. at any point i think hmm. the crime rate at that point among the rohingya community was 0.24 okay percent so hmm. i really think there's like a potential for a story to really look at the you know what are the cases registered against the rohingya community in delhi because like he said this perception battle has been built on just a perception there is really no fact yeah, to this perception no fact, at least yeah. so far and i don't think we've ever heard of a terror case hmm. at least in india uh, committed by a rohingya member so far and i think pity theft and saint snatching as you have said so these are like common among poor like you know localities yeah. and like you know they because they it's very hard for them to survive in yeah. like in a city like delhi or even if it is in jammu hmm. so those things are com- common even if they are not rohingya so i don't think that that that's a like you know that's that's a This right thing to rohingya community uh, yeah <laughs> problem to all right so readers you can read uh, both shivs and pratyush's reports on our website newsonry.com we have our own podcast player so if you're listening to this on apple stitcher or spotify go off those apps and listen to it on our website because we have a very cool podcast player So before I let the both of you go I would like to ask you what are your recommendations this week what amazing things have both of you watched for our listeners I've started watching this uh, British uh, British uh, sitcom called The IT Crowd it's about uh, three people they are part of the IT department how they deal with the uh, with the complaints of uh, other employees okay Pratyush what would you like to recommend for us this So week? I watched the movie which was suggested by you only in La- uh, awful and awesome it was like oh, it's wow, very hard one? to pron- pronounce Malaya Kunju Malayan Kunju Malayan Kunju <laughs> that was the thing <laughs> The Malayalam movie yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, that yeah. on OTT now so What does I, it mean Malayan Kunju okay so I got a lot of flack for this on YouTube as well that um, basically literally it means uh, son of the mountain Hmm. But uh I think there's also more in-depth cast meaning to it hmm. which I have to read up about before I get trolled for that here also. 
So yeah, how did you like it? It's very nice. Like I watched it because I watched the podcast of Awful and Awesome. Then I was like, nice. Like I I need to watch the movie. And I, after watching the movie, I watched at least three of three more of this Fahad Fasil movie. Fahad Fasil. Yeah. He's a terrific. Like you know, he's a very nice actor from the south. And I watched this Joji. I watched this another one. Trance. Trance is also nice. Yeah. And there is one uh, trance, and there is one more. Kumbhini Nights. Uh, no, no, not that. That's also very nice. Yeah, huh. but yeah, but like all of his movies are very nice. Oh, I watched this. Uh, Ma- uh, Malik. Malik. I watched Malik as well. Hmm. All of them are like very nice, and I think Bollywood hasn't reached there yet. Like yeah. you know, all the concepts and his acting, of course. Like you know, one should watch all of the Fahad Fasil movies at least. Correct. Do you watch Malayalam films, Shiv? None so far. Absolutely despicable. Am I? <laughs> You must watch Malayalam films. I'm going to promote Malayalam films left, right, and center. Mm. So please watch Malayalam films. Yeah. Okay. So give me suggestions. First few movies that I can watch. So I think both of you should watch Kumbhangi Nights. I'm just recommending films to our reporters now. Watch Kumbhangi Nights. I hope Raman sir is not listening this podcast. No, Raman sir loves <laughs> movies, and I'd be surprised if he hasn't watched. No, the, all uh, the reporters are watching movies. That's why we don't have. So Tahrim tells us that Raman sir also has watched Kumbhangi Nights. So you guys must watch Kumbhangi Nights. Kumbhangi Nights. Yes, I will say. Horror movie? Link. No, dude. It's about <laughs> patriarchy and uh, how this sort of subtle patriarchy in Malayalam society, and actually a very nuanced look at how hmm. men function uh, within the family structure. I'll 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 watch this movie. But meanwhile, movies. do you have anything which is light? Malik, you can watch. Why patriarchy is not? I mean, I'm, no, I didn't mean that. I mean something. I'm kidding. Some, okay, I'll look up and I'll send you some. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Some I mean, Malik movies. is also nice. Comedy Malik is serious though. Yeah, it's serious, but you can watch it like through a light here, like not about very like com like complex, complicated issues. Complicated issues. True. Yeah. Okay, before we turn this into an awful awesome episode, uh, I will give my last recommendation. This is I actually read a piece this morning on Article 14. It's titled "Lots of Speeches but No Action in Cases of National Importance: The Legacy of Chief Justice Ramana." Uh, it was written by Saurav Das, and Friday is his last day. Shiv didn't like the piece. I haven't read it, but is it on the similar lines what Tanishka did? Tanishka also did it. Yeah. So both the pieces, I think it's uh, interesting to look at. This one is looked at some. So of the Saurav six Das looks at all these cases, right? Yeah, he sort of analyzes, you know, the kind of speeches Ramana has given. That like, what are the like the he says there are about fifty three cases that required like a wider review by Constitution Bench and they were kept pending. True, true. So true. really a detailed piece on all of that. So I thought it was quite a good piece. Tanishka has also done a piece on this, which is on our website and readers can go read. This is the last week of the CJI's uh, work. working in the supreme court as mm-hmm. the cji uh, all right with that words, this podcast words versus action words versus action yeah really okay so with that this podcast is adjourned all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel